You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back to play some more, you guys. I appreciate it. Um, it's so funny. I think I'm through two of the four, four sessions I was supposed to get done today. So I'm just having fun. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Have you guys had a good time so far? Yeah? So fun. Thank you for letting me come and create and talk and tell stories. And like, it means the world to me. I, I really am enjoying the experience. So this is awesome. All right. So I want to set the tone for the next hour or so of what the game plan is. So I have a first initial question that I'm, I'm curious about with everyone here. Um, I'm curious who, since they joined the Two Comic of X program, has had some kind of experience with Mr. Nick Fitzgerald? Okay, that's powerful. I'm going to talk about why in a little bit, but um, very, very cool. So... Um, some of the backstory behind this, and then we're going we're gonna to introduce him up. When he comes up, I want you guys to go crazy and scream and cheer and clap because uh, it'll be good. And then I want him to sit down so we'll be the same height, which will be good. It'll be really fun. Um, so some of the backstory. So I actually met Nick the very first time in elementary school. And even in elementary school, he was like a foot and a half taller than me, which is amazing. He was like six foot two in like third grade. It was amazing. Um, but we knew each other, and we were dorky little kids, and going up through, uh, through elementary school, we were just both doing our things, and we didn't have a care in the world, and everything's happening, and then as we got older, he kept getting taller, I stopped growing, and then uh, we got into high school, and um, he kept growing, and he joined the basketball team, and I didn't keep growing, so I went downstairs in the basement, and literally at my, our high school, um, in the basement, there's, they call it the rubber room, and it's this room that smells like, I don't even know, it's... But it's under the gym. And so um, he would go upstairs and they'd have fans who would show up. People would cheer for them and scream at their games. All the girls would come to the games. We'd go down in the rubber room by ourselves and we'd cut weight and we'd put on our sweats and we'd lose weight and we'd jump rope and we'd sweat like crazy. And we'd sit there. I remember one day um, uh, after working out for two hours, pouring in sweat, I had my plastic ears on and my sweats on top of that, my hoodie and my hoods, and we got the wrestling mats and we literally rolled ourselves up in the wrestling mats to keep the heat in and we laid there and we're so hot. And I could hear the basketball players in the gym up above having so much fun and people cheering for them and all the girls were there. And I was like, why are we not playing basketball? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but, uh, but during that time, like, obviously, we were in two different kind of worlds, and we didn't really connect that much. And then we left our, our separate ways, and I didn't hear from him for, for years and years and years. And then um, you guys remember Facebook first came out? The first time you got it and you log in, you're like, oh, my gosh, I connect with people. And you start, like, searching in, like, the friends you know, and then they find their friends. You spend, like, a day and a half, like, connecting with every person you've ever remembered seeing in your entire life. Do you guys remember that? And so I did that one night. I connected everybody, like, everyone in high school, everyone in junior high, elementary, everyone in every stage of my life, as many as I could think of. And I was like, I think it's everybody. Okay, I've connected with everybody. And one of those people that night was Nick. And then, um, but I didn't like say hi, just like friend requested me, requested back. I'm like, cool, we're connected. And then after that, I got kind of bored with Facebook for like a year or so. And then a little while later, I found out you can buy ads on it. And I was like, what? This is amazing. So we started buying ads and everything's happening and, and, uh, and it's crazy. And then um, what happened next, I actually want Nick on stage to tell you the story because I want to hear it from both his perspective and my perspective. I think it'd be kind of interesting. So, um, um, uh, I, yeah, I, I want him to come up first. So let's do this real quick. Um, as you guys know, Nick has been a super valuable part of this community since he came in. I'm going to tell a story about how he got here and, and some of the craziness about how he signed up when he probably shouldn't have and what's been happening since then. Because uh, I know you guys have all been part of that journey. You guys have been supporting. How do you guys are going to his event that's happening later this week? 
Like he just keeps giving and serving. He's doing all the right things. He's telling strike. He's doing some amazing stuff. And so my plan right now is I want to talk about the rest of the story. Um, I want to tell you guys what I told him a year ago. And then I want to tell you guys my advice for him moving forward. Because I feel like it's almost like in proxy. I wish I could do that with every one of you guys and sit down here and just like coach you. But I feel like he's at a stage where some of you guys aren't towards that yet. And some of you guys are past that. And some of you guys are right where he's at. And I feel like the advice I, want, I really want to give him will help you guys at all different levels. So that's kind of the game plan. So with that said, let's stand and put our heads together for Mr. Nick Fitzgerald. All right, this has some good music. All right. Um, that was like music from high school. Look how tall I am. Man, I feel like... Okay, so I had him find this post because I wanted to actually share a little piece of it. So this... Um, I'm going to share a piece of it. I want to, I want to like step back to where you were at that time in your life. So this is July 7, 2017. So when was that? A year and a half ago-ish? Yeah. Oh, a year and a half ago. So July 7, 2017, he, he, there was a post that said, long post disclaimer. I hate posting this. Blah, 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 right? So at the time, my family's like going on vacation. We're packing up the bags and everything. And like, you know, as you like, do a bunch of work and you stop for a second and your wife and kids are gone, you're like, Pull out the phone to like swap through the Dream 100 to see what's happening. And somehow this post pops up in my feed and I see it. I see Nick, my buddy from like 20 plus years ago. And I'm reading this thing and like my heart like sinks for him. Some of the things he says, I hate posting things like this, but I felt like I need to for a while. Being poor stinks. He says, for, the, for uh, those friends of mine who are ultra conservative and look down, consciously not on people like me, I can honestly tell you that I'm not a lazy freeloader who wants something for nothing. I'm not a deadbeat who wants Obama or whoever to blame now to buy me a phone. I'm not a lowlife trying to get the government to pay for my liposuction. I'm not a druggie who eats steak and lobster for dinner with my food stamps. I'm a father of four, a husband, someone who lost everything financially, including our home. When uh, the time came to have your health care in place or to get fined, I went through the process. Based on my family size and income, we referred to the state to apply for those programs. We couldn't get coverage for ourselves to the exchange in other places. We qualified for Medicaid. After the process was complete, the state worker suggested we try to get some, some other help, some food stamps. It kind of goes on and on and on. He says, in 2016, I made $25,000. $25,000 plus our tax returns from the previous year. So our family of six living on $25,000 a year is being audited for receiving too much help, too much assistance. And it kind of goes on and on and on with that. So I've never used drugs or alcohol. I've never even tried them. I'm just a guy trying to live the American dream and provide for his family. It's unfortunate that we look down on those who are trying to better lives, even if it leads them from receiving help from systems in place to help them. Look, on, look down on me if you want. I don't care. I know the truth. My family is healthy and sheltered, and that's all that matters. Um, I don't wish to trials on anyone else. It kind of goes on from there. So I want to take back to that moment. And like, what was, talk about what your experience, what you were going through during that, that time. <clears throat> I didn't expect this, but um, <laughs> I'm a friendly giant, but I'm a big boob too. So um, <clears throat> back, back at that time, so I had started what I thought was, I started my entrepreneurial journey. I was working in film full-time, working 12, 14, 16-hour days, making 200 bucks a day, you know, just killing myself for my family. And <clears throat> going through the process of, you know, I, I lost my job because I wasn't going to hit my sales. I was a financial advisor, and I, I wasn't going to hit my sales numbers, so, you know, my ticket was stamped, right? So, I, I said, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And in the course of all of that, 
you know, it was time to get your health insurance and those things. And I went through the proper channels like I felt like I should, and I was referred to the government for the programs because of based on the numbers. And for as a, as a provider, as a father <clears throat> and, you know, an athlete competitor, I felt like a failure, right? We've all, when you have to rely on somebody else or somebody else tells you, hey, like, we don't think you can do this on your own. Come over here and we'll take care of you, right? That's, that's basically what I was told. And so it was hard to accept that and to, to live with that reality. But so we, we did, and I, I worked hard, and it was a blessing, really, to not have to worry about how much health care costs or have some things to supplement to feed our family and stuff. So it was, it was great, and it was wonderful. But then I got the email from the state saying, like, hey, you're being audited. We, we're just looking at things, and we're not sure if you're, you've been getting too much help. And so at that point, I'm just sitting there frustrated because I'm working my butt off, just trying to make things happen, make, become uh, somebody involved in the film community in Utah. Um, and I was. And everyone knew me, and I, I had a reputation, but I still, you know, was a nobody I, in the eyes of the government, right? And so I went to Facebook to whine, looking for what I wa- looking for what I wanted, which was a pat on the back. I'm like, there, there, Nick, you're doing. We know you're a good dude, and you're working hard, and you know that kind of thing. And I did. I was reading the comments last night. I said, oh no, well, you're doing a good job, man. Good luck. Like, everyone like <clears throat> babying him about right. how tough life can be. Yeah, and so I got what I wanted, but it wasn't, you know, it still didn't change anything. I still had to submit my last two years of tax returns and all of the pay that I got and and everything like that so they could look at our case number, not Nick, Liesel, Chloe, you, and Alec, William. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> And so it was just one of those things. So I got what I wanted. Then comes Russell to give me what I needed, which was. So I saw that, and I'm like <laughs> packing the kids' bags and everything. And I was like, ah, do I say something? Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, hey, 20 years ago. And I was like, ah, I kept feeling this. And finally I was like, hey, man, I know we haven't talked in like over 20 years. There's a Facebook message. We've been talking like 20 years. Um, I saw your post today, and it sucks. Um, and I know what's wrong and I can help, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy and I don't want to, I don't want to step on my toes. I know we haven't talked in 20 years. I have no idea if it's even appropriate, but I know what's wrong. I can help you and no, this is not some cheesy MLM I'm trying to piss you on. (laughs) But if you're interested in in some coaching, I know, I I know what's wrong. And I kind of waited and that's packing the bags and stuff like that. I'm curious, like your thoughts initially as you saw that. Well, it's, it's funny because the my phone is kind of blown up with the comments, right? So I, I would hear the little ding, and I would, I would check. And then I saw that it was a, a message from Russell. And we had, like, we'd said, like, hey, what's up? And, like, had a few tiny little small talk conversations, but nothing in-depth personal, right? And so I saw that he sent a message. And so I'm like, sweet, you know? So I, I look at it, and I was half expecting, because I knew... I knew that he was successful. I didn't know about ClickFunnels per se. Like, I, you know, I knew that he had something going on that was awesome, but I didn't know what it was. So I was wondering, I, I wonder what he's going to say, what, what he has to say about things. But I read it, and it was funny because 
when you said, like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, I don't want to, you know, it's been a long time, I don't want to step on toes kind of thing. I, you know, Russell, we all know his athletic accolades and stuff. I was a great basketball player, too. I was in the top 200 players in the country my senior year and stuff like that. So I've been coachable, and I've played at high levels and been coached by high-level guys. And so when I read it, and he said, I, can, I know what's wrong, and I can help you. I was like, yes. You know, I, I, that's, that was my reaction. I, was just, I just did the little, you know, the little fist pump, let's do this, right? And so I, I, I replied back, and I thanked him I, I, for reaching out and stuff. And I just said, I, I think I even said, I'm coachable. Yeah. Like, I, I will accept any guidance and things like that. Because up, up until that point in my life, especially with sports, if a coach showed me something, I would do it with the way he did it. And I would... I would kick the other dudes, but I didn't care. I've played against guys who made millions of dollars in the NBA. I dunked. I posterized on Sean Marion when he was at UNLV, my freshman year of college. I, like, I started as a freshman at a Division I school in college. So, like, I would take – I've always been that kind of – when I get that guidance and that direction, I can put it to work. So I was just like, dude – Mr. Miyagi, right? You're like, teach me. I'm eight, I'm eight days older than him, so I'm like, young grasshopper, yes, you can teach me, right? That kind of thing. So I, I, I welcomed it, and I was excited. I had no idea, because again, I didn't know what he did, you know? I just knew he had a level of success that I didn't have, and if he was willing to give me some ideas, I was going to hear him out for sure. It was fun. So then I messaged him back because I'm like packing the cars. And Cliff's like, we got to go. We got to go. I was like, ah. Oh. So I get the thing out. I was like, all right, this is the deal. I'm driving to Bear Lake. It's like a six-hour drive right now. I'm going to give you an assignment. And if you do it, then I'll give you the next piece. But most people will never do it. So if you don't, that's cool. And I'll just know it's not worth time. But if it's really worth your time, do this thing. I need you to go back and listen to my podcast from episode one. And listen to as many episodes as possible. And if you do that, I'll make you a customized episode just for you telling you exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. But you have to do that first. And I'm not telling you this because it's some ego trip and like just but just trust me, the problem is not your skill set. You have mad skills, you're good at everything. It's all a problem between your ears. If we can shift that, we can shift everything else. And I jumped in my car and took off and I started driving six hours. Yeah. And then like the next day or the day later, you're like, I'm 14 episodes in. He was still listening to the crappy ones, according to Stephen Larson. In your car. <laughs> yeah, that Mark in your car. <laughs> He's probably like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard ever. <laughs> but he did it, right? I said, do it. He said, did it. And he kept doing it, kept doing it. And so two or three days into my family vacation, I had Nora. You guys all know Nora, right? She's the coolest. But she won't go to bed at night. She's a nightmare. Don't let the cute face trick you. She's evil, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, I can't go to sleep. So finally, I was like, I'm going to plug her in the car and drive around the lake until she falls asleep. So I plug in the car, strap it in, and I start driving. And I'm like, this could be a long, long thing. She's just smiling back here. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my episode for Nick. So I got my phone out. I clicked record. And for almost an hour, yeah. Yeah. It was an hour. I'm driving around the lake, and I'm explaining to him what I see. Does anyone here listen to that episode? I'm curious. Yeah. Okay, yeah. um, so I'm going to map out really quick the core concept because some of you guys may be stuck in this. So, Because the goal of this, what I want to do is I want to map this out. And then what's funny is last year at Bear Lake, so a year later, we had this thing. I, I was like, we should do a, a second round where I do like a year later, this is what like the advice now. And I wrote a whole outline for it, and I totally never did it. And so I'm going to go through the outline to now, kind of show the next phase. So you cool if I show kind of what yeah. I talked about? For sure. All right. For those who missed the podcast episode, who haven't been binge listening, you've all failed the test. Now you must go back to episode number one, listen to the cheesy jingle, and get to episode 
four, I don't know, whatever it was. Ken, <laughs> I said this. I said, okay, if you look at any business, any organization, there's three core people, right? The first one is the person at the top who is the entrepreneur, okay? Now, so the cool thing about the entrepreneur is the entrepreneur is the one that makes the most amount of money, right? Like they're the head, they settle the thing, they the most amount of money. The problem with the entrepreneur is they also have the most risk, so they're more likely to like lose everything, Right? Like, I've lost everything multiple times because I'm like the guy risking everything. But the nice thing is, like, entrepreneurs can write their own paycheck. There's no ceilings, right? So they can make as much as they want. They can make a million, 10 million, 100 million. They can do whatever they want because there's no ceiling, right? So that's the first personality type. So the second personality type over here is what we call the technicians. Okay, the technicians are the people that actually do the work, right? What's funny, if you look at this, these are the people who go to college are the technicians, right? And what do they do? They look down on entrepreneurs. They look down on sales. Be like, oh, you're in sales? Like, what are you, a doctor? For crying out loud in the night. But they're like, they look down on, on, on people like us, right? Because like, I'm a doctor. I went to 45 years of school. Now, what's interesting is that there's technicians in all sorts of different spots, right? <laughs> I actually feel bad. I shouldn't say this out loud. But um, on the airport here, I was, saw one of my friends who's an amazing doctor. And him and his wife were leaving on a trip. And we were talking. And he said, this is the first trip my wife and I have been on in 25 years together by ourselves. I was like, what? He's like, well, we had medical school and then we had kids and then we had to pay off medical school and all these things. Now the kids are gone and now we finally have a chance to leave. And I was like, wow, our whole life we're fed that like medical school, becoming a doctor is the same. Anyway, I, that's a rant for another day. But I was like, there's technicians, right? And what's interesting about technicians is they don't have any risk, right? So there's no risk whatsoever, but they do have a, there's a price ceiling on every single person that's a technician, right? And depending on what job you have, your price ceiling is different, right? So a doctor, the price ceiling is, I have no idea what doctors make, 500 grand a year is like the price ceiling. That's amazing, but like that's, they can't go above that, right? And different tasks, different roles, different positions all have different price ceilings. But there's like, you know, this role as a technician makes about this much, and this one makes this much, and you're all kind of these things, right? And so the problem with you right now, you have these amazing skill sets, but you are stuck as a technician in a role where they're capping out where the only thing you can make is 25K a year. And remember, I asked you, I'm like, what have you been doing? You're like, oh, I've been networking, I've been learning, I've been getting my skills up, I'm getting amazing. I'm like, that's amazing. Your skills are awesome, but your ceiling is 25K a year. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good you get, you are stuck because you're in a technician role right now. I said, so you got a couple options. Number one is go become an entrepreneur, which is scary, especially if you've got four kids at home, you don't have money anyway, right? I'm so eternally grateful that when I started this game, um, my wife, I mean, first off, we didn't have kids yet. My wife was, um, my wife was working. We didn't have any money, but like, I didn't have to have any money that time. And like, I'm so grateful that I was able to do this at times. I was able to risk things. I, that nowadays is hard. Like for you to come jump out on your own initially and just be like, boom, I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm like, I'm selling this stuff. That's scary, right? Because you've got all this, um, all this risk. And so I was like, that's the thing, but it's going to be really, really hard. I said, but there's the good news. There's one more spot in this ecosystem. And the cool thing about that spot is that it's just like the entrepreneur. There's no ceiling. Now the third spot over here, so we call the rainmakers, right? Yeah. The rainmakers, the people that come into a business, and they know how to make it rain. Okay, this is the people that know how to bring people into a company. Okay, leads. They bring leads in. They know all this traffic stuff we're talking about. These are the people who know how to sell the leads and actually get money out of people's wallets and put it into the hands of the entrepreneur. These people right here, the rainmakers, don't have ceilings. In fact, companies who give the rainmakers the ceiling are the stupidest people in the world because the rainmaker will hit the ceiling and then they'll stop. Right? If you're smart and you have a company, you have rainmakers, people driving traffic, people doing sales. If you have a ceiling, they will hit it and then they will stop. Okay, but you get rid of the ceiling and then all of a sudden they have as much as they want. They have less risk than the entrepreneur, but they have the ability to make unlimited amount of money. I said, your skill set over here as a technician is worth 25K a year. Do you take your skill set 
You shift it over here. You say, oh, I come into companies. I'm a rainmaker. I create videos. I create stories that will sell more products, more things. Suddenly, you're not worth $25,000. Now, you're worth $100,000. You're worth $500,000. You're worth whatever you're able to do because there's no ceiling anymore. And that was the point of the podcast. I got done sending it, and then I sent it to him, and I sent it to my brother to edit. And I have no idea what you thought about it at that point because we didn't talk a lot as after it, but I'm curious where you went from there. <clears throat> so the first thing, you know, being told that I was really only worth 25000 in the eyes of the people who were hiring me, that was a punch in the gut. It <laughs> sucked to hear. Thanks, man. And, you know, it was just like... Because I, I literally was working 12, 14, 16-hour days, lifting heavy stuff. I did a lot with lighting and camera work, um, not necessarily the, the story writing stuff. But, you know, I was – and it was for him to, to put it so perfectly that I was a technician. I thought, I thought going in – so when I failed as an advisor and I started – uh, my own company or started doing videos for people and being so scared to charge somebody 250 bucks for a video being like, Oh, they're going to say no, you know, that kind of thing. And now, you know, I wouldn't blink my eyes for that, but you know, it's like one of those things for him to tell it to me that way. And just straightforward being like, like you're, you're, you are, you're learning great skills. You're meeting amazing people. I worked with Oscar winners and uh, Emmy winners and stuff in the movies and shows that I worked on. But again, I was only worth that much. They had, they had a finite amount of money, and I was a small part of it, so I got a small piece. And um, so listening to all of that and then hearing the, like, the entrepreneur, like the risk and stuff, I'm, I'm, a, I'm really tall. I'm 6'9", if you didn't know. <laughs> um, I'm a sink or swim guy. But because I'm tall, I can reach the bottom of the pool a lot easier. <laughs> so um, I, when I jumped in, like we had lost, as a financial advisor, we lost our home and we lost all these things. So I was like, I have nothing else to lose. Like worst case scenario. And I had never heard that uh, mindset before. We were renting a basement from a family member. We had, our cars were paid off. You know, like worst case scenario is we stay there and get food stamps and that kind of thing. There was nowhere to go but up from there. So um, for me, I was just so excited. I'm like, I want to be a rainmaker. I want to be an entrepreneur. But I didn't know where to find the people that I could do that for. So I was in this thing where I was still getting lots of calls to work as a technician, but I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to put myself, my body, my family through me being gone. And then when I'm home, I'm just a bump on a log because I'm so wiped out you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that was my biggest first thing, uh, action point for me as I started thinking, like, okay, how do I transition out of this? How do I get myself out and start meeting the right people, the right kinds of clients who do have budgets and, and things like that? And how do I make it rain for them? So um, that's when I made that shift from working as a technician. I told myself I'm not going to do it anymore. And the last time I technically worked as a technician was um, about nine months ago. It was for a friend. You're right. Um, and so I, I made that shift and it was just amazing. Like, like we talked, like Russell was talking about earlier, when you, when you start to track it or when it's part of your mindset, things start to show up and happen. You meet the right people and stuff. And so those things just started just by listening to that one hour long thing. I started changing. And then, uh, the, the black box, I got expert secrets and dot-com secrets and started going through that as well. And it was just like, 
That you see in the Funnel Hacker TV, like those, that moment where the guy goes, Bwah! like that's what happened with me. It was like a whole new world, do you know? Like Aladdin was singing. He was Aladdin and I was Jasmine, right? With, with the beard. I can show you the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and that, but that's what really like literally happened with me. So it's cool. All right. So this, this is like summertime. And so he's going through this process now, figuring things, changing, he's shifting things, like changing his mindset. We go through the summer, we go through Christmas, and then um, last year's Funnel Hacking Live, we in February, March last year. March. March. And so before Funnel Hacking Live, we kind of just touched base every once in a while. I'm like, seeing that things are going, it's like, oh, things are going good, and figure things out. And then Funnel Hacking Live is coming, and uh, I remember because we're sitting there, and I think you messaged me or something, you're like, oh, Funnel Hacking Live was awesome, I wish I could make it. I was like, why don't you come? And you're like, ah, oh, I just can't make it yet. I was like, how about this, man? I guarantee you, if you show up, it'll change your life forever. Um, I'm not going to pay for your flights in your hotel, but if you can figure out how to get there, I'll give you a free ticket. And that's the last I said. And I, if you can come, let Melanie know, and that's, that's it. And I didn't really know much because you guys know in the middle of Fun Hacking Live, like my life is chaos, um, <laughs> trying to figure out how to juggle them and all that stuff, right? And so uh, next thing I know, at Funnel Hacking Live, we're sitting there, and during the session, looking out, and I see Nick standing there in the audience. And I was like, I have no idea how he got there, but he's there. Like, freaking good for him. Like, that's, that's – and I have no idea. How did you get there? That wasn't probably an easy process for you, is it? No. Uh, credit cards, right? It was, I, it was one of those things I looked – I looked at flights as soon as we had that conversation. You know, I, it was funny because I was—I can't remember what was going on, but it was a day or two before I responded back to his invitation. And I was like, I'd be stupid to say no. Uh, you know, I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I'll hit, I think I even said, like, I'll hitchhike if I have to to get there, right? <laughs> Could you imagine this giant Sasquatch on the on Route 66 <laughs> trying to get to Florida, right? <laughs> but but um, I told my wife about it. And, you know, this is where uh, Russell and I have this in common. Like, my wife is incredible and super supportive. And she let me, she let me go. And we, I, we didn't have the money in the bank. So I said, I'm going to put this on the credit card. And as soon, like, as soon as I get back, I'm going to go to work and it'll, I'll pay it off. You know, I'll get a couple of clients and it'll be fine. And so I booked the hotel. Luckily I was able to get somebody who wasn't going to be able to go at the last minute. And I got their hotel room and I got the flight and I came in and I was in the tornado warnings, like circling the <laughs> airport for five hours, like the rest of you were. But, um, so I got there and I just remember I was just, so excited um and like walking in the room the very first day like the doors open and well you all know what it's like i don't have to relive the story but like i I remember i walked in and i had like the hair on my arms and it was just like right it was just like incredible just the energy and the feeling and i was like this is so cool and then the very first speech like i was like that was worth every penny to get here. If I left right now, it would have all been worth it, right? And you all know because you're sitting here, you've, you've felt that too. So that was my, like, getting there. It was like, honey, I know we don't have the money. We have space on the credit card. And when I get home, I swear I'll work hard and it'll be okay, right? And she's like, okay, go. And so, so I did. And it's cool. All right. So now I want to talk about not day one or day two. But on day three of Full Hacking Life, how do you guys remember what happened on day three? <laughs> Russell sneak attacked all you guys. I was like, if I start going secret one, secret two, secret three, all of you guys are like, oh, here it is, sitting back. I was like, how do I do the perfect webinar without people knowing it's the perfect webinar? And I'm figuring this whole thing out, trying to figure out. And uh, we built a nice presentation and created an amazing offer for this program you guys are all in. And um, as you know, all of you guys got excited. You're in the back. You signed up, and now you're here. But um, you told me this personally. I hope you're willing to share this. But I thought it was amazing. 
Um, because you didn't sign up that night. And I'd love to hear what happened from then till the next day and kind of go through that process. Yeah. So this is my first click funnels. I was all new to this whole thing. And uh, I was so excited when the 12 month millionaire presentation came up and I was like, this is awesome. And then I like seeing the stack and I'm like, I'm seeing the, the wizard has pulled the, I can see the wizard doing his thing. Right. And I was just so excited. And then the price, and it was a punch in the gut to me because I was so, I'm like listening to it. I'm like, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I need. Everything. And it's going to, it's going to be amazing. And then the, the price came and like, seriously, I, it just like the rest of the night, I was just like the rest of the presentation and, and, and everything after that, I was just kind of like, like zoned out. I just didn't know what to do because I knew I needed it so badly, but I was like, that's almost twice what we're paying in rent right now. You know, it was just like, how am I going to justify this when I, you know, I'm on food stamps and Medicaid, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, oh, I'm, uh, yes, I'm on that, but I drop this money on a coaching program, right? <laughs> like, from his internet coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so I'm having this mental battle. And I get back home to my room that night. And I didn't go hang out with people or I just was not feeling it. And I, I remember like texting my wife on the, white, on the walk back to the room. And I took the long way around the, the pond, you know, just slowly, depressedly meandering back to my room, right? And I'm texting her and I'm telling her it was how amazing it was and what the program would do and, and all that kind of stuff. She's like, that sounds great. And, you know, I'm like purposely not saying how much it's going to cost. <laughs> Just to get her excited about it. So then I could maybe do a stack with her, right? And be like, well, for this and this, you know, see if I could try it. I didn't, but I, fa- I failed when it came to, like, you know, doing that. And I told her the price, and she's like, that's a lot of money. Like, how are you going to pay for it? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, the only thing I could do, because I have to, like, sign up while I'm here and pay for it while I'm here. Like I could put it on the credit card and then we will figure it out. Right. But so we talked a lot and I talked to my dad and it was the same thing. He was just like, and that's a lot, you know, just like the scarcity mindset that a lot of us have with, that with our family members and support system that aren't, don't think we are, who aren't the crazy ones. And, um, so I went to bed and, you know, I, I, got emotional and stuff like that. And I slept so, so bad. I just didn't sleep very well that whole night. And again, I talked to my wife again in that next morning. And I just, we just said, it would be awesome, but we can't, I can't do it. So I'm just going to work hard and just figure something out. And then if it ever opens up again, then I'll be in a position to do it. So that I left my room that morning with that in my mind. I, I made the mistake of keeping my wallet in my pocket, though, right? Because I'm here, right? Uh, so uh, I, again, made the long walk back and kind of gave myself a pep talk, like, don't, don't worry about that kind of stuff. Just, like, get more value out of it, meet more people, all that. And so that's when I left my room the next morning. That was where my mind was. Then what happened next? I walked into the room, and Kevin Anson, who I had, it's funny, he, he does a lot of editing for, for ClickFunnels, and he and I had actually met, like, independent of ClickFunnels before, like, it was one of those things like, oh, you do, oh my gosh, and it was like two months after we'd met, right? So I was talking to him, uh, just chit-chatting, and I just had 
right then in my mind, it was like, walk over to the table and sign up. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And it was just one of those things because I had told, I'd given myself that speech, that whole five minute walk across the property. And so I finished up talking with him and I just said, I'll be right back. And I walked straight over to the table, got out the credit card, <laughs> and wrote it all down. And I'm like, I don't even know what my limit is. So I hope whenever they run this, that it's, it goes through or, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So I did. And I got that little silver ribbon that we all got. And again, like the chills, like I was just like, holy crap, this is amazing. I put it on my little lanyard thing and I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was just like the adrenaline and all that stuff that I'm doing it. And my wife is going to kill me when I get back home. (laughs) So, you know, so that's, then I went and got my seat and I just was like floating, you know, I was just like so amped. Like I could have Steven Larson it and just like (laughs) screamed over the noise of everybody else. And it would have been very, uh, you would have heard it. Right. So that's what, that's what I did that morning. I was like, Nope, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. I walked in. 60 seconds, done. (laughs) You have my money, right. So I'm curious, um, when did you tell your wife? (laughs) It's like a marriage counseling session, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a couch I can lay down on? No. um, Big couch. Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, So I got home, and I I didn't tell her at all. (laughs) I didn't. Because I said, okay, the clock is ticking. I have 30 days till that hits again, or, or, you know, 20 days till the credit card statement comes and she's like, wait, why is there an extra 2000 bucks on here? Right. And so I just, I said, I've got some time because my wife is, she's five, three, she's dainty little petite lady. And, but you know, she's not scary, I guess, but like, I was like, Oh, this is the first time I was really like scared to tell her something in our marriage. (laughs) Um, so I, I just said, I'm going to, I'm just going to hit the road hard and see what I can come up with to at least cover the 1800 and the hotel, like for the, what I racked up at Funnel Hacking Live. And then that will give me another 30 days to figure something out. Right. So I went and, uh, I, I never told her until the credit card statement came and she saw it she's like, what's this? <laughs> but what happened before that? Oh, I don't know. Do you, do you have something after that? Or you want me to go to the next part? Okay. So me going to work and like, I'm like, I got to find it. And it was funny, like that night at Funnel Hacking Live, I, I went on Facebook and I, I, I created like some like, you know, half thought through offer where I was like, Hey, if I can get, if I can get like five people locally where I'm at to like do a monthly low number where I create a couple of videos from a monthly retainer that'll, that'll cover it and I can figure it, but nobody nibbled on it. Right. So I got home and I started, you know, just, uh, trying to figure stuff out. And I had met a, another lady who had a company and she used click, uses click funnels for her course. And it was funny. Before, well, I talked to her before I went to Funnel hacking live and we were talking and she's like, do you know click funnels? I was like, that's so crazy. I do, you know? Um, cause I'd never met anybody else uh, that, that had. And, uh, so I got home and I shot a little video with her. It was a test to do some modules for her course. And she loved it, and it was great. And so we were talking about, she had like 20 videos she wanted to do. And um, we were talking about budget, and I just said, you know what? To, for that much, for the, those, that many videos and all this kind of stuff, it's going to be $25,000. And she didn't even blink. She was like, perfect. That's great. Right? 
And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> and that was like maybe two weeks after I got home that that happened. And I, I, I left her house and I tried my hardest not to do like a jump heel click going down her driveway or out to my car. And I got, I got around the corner and I, I messaged Russell and I was like, dude, you'll never guess. I just closed my first five-figure deal and this is what it was. And, you know, and he was like, that's so cool, you know. But it was um, the whole Plata Oplomo thing. Like, I would have never had the guts to ask for something like that. I know that I should and that my skills and what I can do are worth that and more. And it's been proven to me again and again since then. But to ask the first time, that first time you have a big ask, and like you're just throwing yourself out there, and if she would have said no, what, now what am I going to do? Because I had actually done another pitch where I did like a webinar pitch where I had a stack and slides and stuff because it had to, it was for a chamber of commerce. I wanted to charge them like twenty five hundred a month to do like four videos for a year. And I did the whole thing, like, if you do it, it's 2500 a month, or if you do it all right now, it's, the, you know, I kind of, I hold, and they, they passed on it. You know, I was like, ah. So it was just one of those things where it, being around y'all, right? Like, being, that was my first experience being around entrepreneurs, really. I have friends who had businesses, or, but, like, I felt weird for wanting to create my own thing or being selfish because I have four kids. Like, why don't you go get a real job? All, all those conversations that you hear and have with yourself, especially when things aren't going great. Um, but it was, it was like, okay, I, I have to get it done or I have to drop out. And I just, even in that short amount of time, I had received so much value from the people that I had been beginning to meet. And then as the content started coming out, I was like, there's no way. I could live without this after having a taste of it, right? So that was my, uh, I just had to get it done and it worked out. Amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that story. So cool. All right. So since then, how many of you guys watched his, uh, are you daily or almost daily Facebook lives? Pretty oh, much yeah. almost daily. Like I'll miss something. Who has watched his daily Facebook lives-ish? Okay? He's doing what we're saying, right? He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. I see it over every day. I see it. I see it coming to my feet. He pops my thing over and over. He's doing what we're talking about. He's attracting people. He's telling stories. He's like, all the stuff we're talking about, he's been doing it. Okay? But part of it was like he had to have that emotion, that, that plot to a moment, and then he hit it, and then it's just like he's been running and running and running. And it's been so insanely fun to watch the progress and the growth. I mean, some of you guys know he put out an event that's coming up this weekend and sold out in like five seconds. He's like, uh, I sold out. Should I like make it bigger? I'm like, no, people should respond to you faster. It's their fault. Like sell it out. Cause next time it'll be easier to sell out again, easier to sell out again. We did it by, by doing tons of value, telling stories, telling stories, telling stories, providing more value to you guys, to other entrepreneurs, other people in the community. And people are noticing, right? All the stuff we talked about today, he's doing it consistently, consistently, and consistently doing it. Okay. Um, that was so cool. I don't know where to go from here. All right. I don't want to go from here. Okay. <laughs> Um, um, before I move into this, uh, 
Was it scary? All of it scary? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is what, back to my competitive days, I didn't care who, who, I've played against the best players in the country at high levels. And I didn't care if you were going to the NBA, being recruited by Duke. And think, uh, once we got in the lines, I didn't care who you were. I was going to make you look silly. I would, I would hold, I was, I, you wouldn't score a point on me. Or I would just like outwork you. And if you wanted to get anywhere, I was in your face the whole time, right? And so this was a whole different game for me. And I remember Myron... Uh, talking about in his speech at Funnel Hacking Live, like you have to stay in the game long enough to learn the game. And I was new to this game, like brand new, like less than less than twelve months when I went to Funnel Hacking Live, right? And it was it was terrifying because not necessarily because I didn't think I could do it. I was just worried when how long it would take, really. Like, am I going to go and I'm just going to spin my wheels and it's going to be 15 years, like uh, 2099, and I'm wheeling up across to get my <laughs> reward from him in his wheelchair. It's like, hey, buddy, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Or, like, I just didn't know how to make it happen quick uh, and that kind of stuff. So I was definitely scared, uh, not necessarily failing because I had failed before, but I was just scared how long it was going to take. One of the best moments for me was this summer. Um, him and his family were driving home from, I can't remember where, they are driving through Boise. He's like, we're going by and say hi. My kids want to meet you. My wife wants to meet you. And obviously, always a scary thing. You haven't met someone's wife or kids. You're like, what if they hate me? And I remember then I started thinking like, oh my gosh, like he spent all his money coming out here and then he bought the thing. Like she might legitimately want to kill me. Like I have no idea. I was a little bit nervous and I came and met them, met the kids, super cool. And I still remember the coolest thing. Um, your wife just looked at me and she said, thank you. And I was like, oh, how cool is that? Like just the coolest thing. Like, thank you for convincing and persuading, whatever the things are to do this thing. I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we feel the guilt or the nervousness of like, ah, should I sell somebody something? Like, is it right? Is it wrong? And it's like, you have to understand that when you're doing it, like, it's not, it's not a selfish thing for you. It's like, how do I get this person to take the action they need to do? Because most people don't do it until they make an investment. It's just the human nature. They'll keep dinking around and dinking around. They'll do whatever, like whatever it is, but until like, they have a commitment, until they make that covenant, like Myron talked about earlier, people don't change, right? And so in any aspect of life, if you want to make a change, like, there's got to be something that causes enough pain to cause the change, which is why we have the program. We could have priced the program really, really cheap. I was like, no, we, I, we legitimately wanted to make a plot or a moment for everybody. And you notice when the program signed up, not everybody who signed up is here today. Some people fell away. Some them left. Like, things happen, right? I totally understand but I wanted to make it painful enough that we get people to move. And there are people in this room I've joked about, like, Nick probably shouldn't have bought that. If you'd ask him, like, no, dude, don't. What are you thinking? Why would you do that? As a friend, like, this is weird, but I'm so grateful. Are you grateful you did? Absolutely. I think, where's Marie Larson? Is she still in here? I talked about this in the podcast. Yes. She was in the same situation. Like, she should not have signed up for it. It's insane. I think I saw this text. She said, Stephen, she's like, how much did you have in your bank account when you signed up for it? $70 in the bank account, $1,800 a month bill she signed up for, right? And then she started happening and she was freaking out. It's going and if you guys haven't listened to the podcast and lean in yet, I told this whole story. Um, but it got nervous, right? Month one hit, month two happened. She's like, oh my gosh, like I need to leave. I can't afford this. And she talked to Steven and Steven's like, well, you could leave and walk away or you could lean in. 
And so she said, ah, okay, I'm going to lean in. And she leaned in and I've watched as her business over the last three, four, five, six months is growing and it's growing and it's growing because she leaned in. Tough times will come every single time it comes, but like those who lean in are the ones who make it through that and then who grow and who build huge businesses. All right. Okay. Um, okay. I want to do this part now. So this is the outline of the stuff. This is your, um, your second podcast. Sweet. So I promise in that and I hopefully this will be valuable to all of you guys as well. Um, trying to the best way to do this. So some of these things kind of matter to you. Some of these things are going to be bigger for people here. So don't think that everything I say is like, you sucked at this. Cause that's not the purpose of this. <laughs> there are things that you're doing really, really good. There's a couple tweaks. I'm like, Oh man, if you did a little thing different here, there, it could be huge for you. And there's things that again, for some of you guys, I'm going to watch, I watch everybody. I'm obsessed with this stuff. Like I see some of you guys, some of you guys are, are struggling more of this. So some of these things I'm sharing because of you, not because of him, but he gets to be the guinea pig for it. So that, that's all right. Does that sound good? <laughs> all right, let's go through this. Okay. So, the second episode of the podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Marketing Secrets Podcast. I'm so excited. I'm here on stage right now at the Two Comic Club X event with Mr. Nick Fitzgerald on stage. Now, a year ago, I gave a podcast to him about how to make it rain, and this is section number two. Now, those of you who don't know, in the last 12 months since I did that podcast, he has been making it rain. He's been changing his life, his family's life, but more importantly, other people's lives as well. It's been really cool. So, that's what we're going to cover today during this episode of the podcast. I can actually make this a podcast. I got to make sure we cut that. We can plug it in. Here comes the, who can sing the intro for me? Steven Larson, can you sing me the intro? Just kidding. Thank All right. <laughs> All right. So welcome back, you guys. So I'm here on stage with, with uh, Nick Fitzgerald. So excited. So I made a list of seven things that if I was to sit in a room with him in front of a whole bunch of people, I'd be like, hey, Nick, you're doing awesome. Here's some things to look at that I think will help you a lot in what you're doing. All right. So number one. Um, when you, so when, when Nick um, first kind of met, uh, started into this movement that he's trying to create, I don't know when it was, if you created this before or after, when did you create the Star Wars video? This was, so we talked in July, it was September, October, so okay. a few months later. How many of you have seen his Star Wars video? Okay, I'm so glad. We have maybe, for those who are listening, about 10% of the room raised their hand, the other 90%. Um, who are friends and followers and fans of Nick have never seen the Star Wars video, okay? His Star Wars video is his origin story, and it is one of the best videos I have, by far the best video I've seen him do. It is insanely good. It comes, do you want to talk, talk about what happened in the video? It's insanely good. So I, I told the story of, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so if you didn't know that, now you do. But um, when I was young, my grandma, who lived in the same neighborhood as me, she took me to go see Return of the Jedi, in the movie theater. And I was such a Star Wars nerd, even at a young age, that when I was playing at the neighbor's house, and, you know, it's the 80s, so mom and dad are like, Nick, come home for dinner, right? That kind of thing. I would ignore them. And I would not come home until they called me Luke. <laughs> not, no lie. I would make them call me Luke. I would ignore them. I would not hear them. Had I, I would known not. this in high school, I would have teased them relentlessly. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so my grandma took me, and I remember going, and it was so fun because we took the bus, and it was just a fun thing. And we went. I just remember walking in and handing my ticket to the, the ticket person. And then, like, popcorn and the, the, just the smells of everything. And, like, again, this is the 80s, so, like, walking in the movie theater, like, I almost lost a shoe in the, like, sticky soda, right? Like that going on. I just remember how my feet stuck to the floor and all that stuff. And then just being so excited to see my heroes on the big screen and Darth Vader. And I, I just remember watching it. 
And um, this is such a silly thing to get emotional about, but you know, just I remember the the emperor and Darth Vader dying and all all that stuff. And I was just like, oh. you know, I was just like, it was a perfect day. <laughs> Excuse me, all oh, sorry, sound dude. Um, <laughs> but it was just a perfect day with my grandma, who has always been dear to me. Um, And so the, the purpose of that video, you know, I had put it off for a long time. I knew I needed to tell my own story if I'm going to be helping somebody else tell theirs. And I put it off for a long time because I, I, working through things, I was afraid that if it sucked, if the story was terrible, if the visuals were crappy, that, that was a reflection on me and my skills. I, you know, I had worked on a bazillion Hallmark Christmas movies. You know how they put out like 17 trillion Christmas movies every year? If one of those sucks, which, I, no offense, like they're not <laughs> riveting television. They all suck, admit it. <laughs> that wasn't a reflection on me. I was just doing the lighting or the camera. Work. Like I didn't write the story. It wasn't my story. But this was me. And so I put it off for a long time because I knew that if it didn't, if I didn't execute how I envisioned it, that it would reflect poorly on me and it would be like I was a fraud, right? So the purpose of the video had, there were three purposes. One, to, to tell a story and to get people to connect with me on a personal level. As I told that story here, how many of you remembered your feet sticking to the floor of a movie theater? How many of you remember, like when I'm talking about the smell of popcorn and that sound, you, you felt and heard and smelled that, right? And so it was one thing I wanted people to connect with me and to see that I was just like you, right? Um, then I wanted to show that I could make a pretty picture, you know? So I, I had that, and I used my family members as the actors, and then I went and talked about how, you know... And then I wanted to use it to build credibility. I worked on 13 feature films and two television series and shot news for the NBC affiliate and worked in tons of commercials. So I've, I've learned from master storytellers and now I want to help other people find and tell their story. And then I showed clips of stories that I've helped tell throughout the years. Right. And so that was, I just remember I, I specifically, when I finally went, made it live, like I made a list of about 20 people my dream 100, I guess you could say that I said, I just wanted to like send them be like, Hey, I made this video. I'd love for you to watch it. And like, you know, Russell's on that list. And so I sent that out and I made it live. And then it was just kind of funny. Like in a day, it didn't go viral. It was like, I got like 5,000 views in a day, you know, it was like, Whoa, kind of thing. But, um, it was just one of those things that I knew that I needed to tell my story. And if I wanted to have any credibility as a storyteller, not as a videographer, but as a storyteller, being able to help people connect and connect hearts and build relationships with their audience that I needed, I had to knock it out of the park. And so that was my attempt at doing that. And the video is amazing. For the 10% of the room we saw it, it is amazing. Now, my point here for Nick, but also for everyone here, I wrote down is tell your story too much. So only 10% of this room has ever seen that video or ever heard it. How many of you guys have heard my potato story more than a dozen times? Almost the entire room for those who are listening in, okay? Tell your story to the point where you are so sick and tired of telling the story and hearing it that, like, you just want to kill yourself and then tell it again and then tell it again and then tell it again because it is amazing. That video is amazing. That story is amazing. How many of you guys feel more connected to him after hearing that story right now? I like, guess it's amazing, right? Tell the story too much. 
And all of us are going to be like, oh, I don't want to hear the story. I don't want to tell the story. I don't want to tell the story again. Like you should be telling that story over and over and over again. That video should be everywhere. You should be showing it like at least once a week. You should be following everyone that you're like, should be retargeting ads of that video. Like that video should be, everybody should see. You got 5,000 views. It's amazing. We should get 5,000 views a day. Like consistently telling that story, telling that story. Cause you're right. Like it's beautiful. It's amazing. And people see that and like, oh my gosh, I need that for my business. I need to be able to tell my story the way he just told that story. Cause that connection like is flawless. And I think my biggest thing for you right now is like telling your story more, telling that thing. You're telling good okay. stories, but that story is like, that's like your linchpin. That's the thing that like, if you can tell that, it's going to keep people connected to you for forever, right? right. Anyone who's seen that video, like you have a, a different level of connection. Like, it's amazing. It's shot beautifully. You see these kids looking at the movies, the lights flashing, and like, it's, it's beautiful. So telling your story more, that'd be the biggest thing. It's just like all the time telling that story over and over and over again. That's number one. All right. Number two, this one's not so much for you as much as for most of everybody else in here. But number two is that energy matters a lot. I'm not talking about like I'm tired during the day. I'm talking about when you are live or you are talking in front of people, your energy matters a lot. I was hanging out with Dana Derricks. Have you guys know Dana, our resident goat farmer? By the way, he's asked me anytime I mention his name to please not send him any more goats. He's gotten like two or three goats in the last month from all of our friends and family members here in the community. Please stop sending him goats. He loves them, but he doesn't want any more. Anyway, it was interesting. I was talking to Dana and Dana said, you know the biggest thing I learned from you? I'm like, no. Like what? And I thought it was going to be like Dream 100 or all these things like that. No, the biggest thing that Dana learned from me, he told me, was that energy matters a lot. He's like, when I hang out there, you're like kind of just like, but you got on stage, you're like, ah, right? And I started telling him, I was like, the reason why is um, when I first started this, this career, in fact, I have my brother right now pulling all the video clips to me from like 12 or 13 years ago when I had a shaved head and I was talking like, hi, my name is Russell Brunson. And we're trying to make this montage of like me over 15 years of doing this and how awkward and weird I was and how like it took like eight to 10 years before I was normal. And I started growing hair out and like it's just really, anyway. Um, but like I'm trying to show that whole montage, right? But if you look at it, like I was going through that process and the biggest thing I learned is like, if I talk to people like this, when you're on video, you sound like this. The very first info, I, I, I'm thinking like I have an idea and I just do stupid things. So like I saw an infomercial. I'm like, I should do an infomercial. So I hired this company to make an infomercial. And next thing I know, two weeks later, I'm in Florida and there's this host on the show. And he's like the cheesiest cheese ball ever. I'm like so embarrassed. And he's like, yeah, so the thing to ask me a question. I'm like, well, um, you know, and I did, did, did. He's like, whoa, whoa, cut, cut, cut. He's like, dude holy crap, you have no energy. I'm like, no, I feel really good. I have a lot of energy right now. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, he's like, when you're on TV, he's like, you have, to, you have to talk like this to sound normal. He's like, you talk normal, you sound like you're asleep. And I'm like, I don't know. And so we did this whole infomercial. He's like all over the top. And I'm just like trying to go a little bit higher. And it was awkward. And went back and watched it later. And like he sounded completely normal. I looked like I was dead on the road. It was weird. Okay. Um, Brandon Fisher, I don't know if he's still in the, in the audience, but um, we did... Uh, Brands back here. So four, year, four years ago when ClickFunnels first came out, we made these videos that when you first signed up, you gave away the free t-shirt. How many of you remember seeing those videos? Okay, I made those videos and then they lasted for like four years and then we just reshot them last week because it's like, oh wow, the demo video where we're showing ClickFunnels does not look like ClickFunnels anymore. It's completely changed in four years. So Todd's like, you have to make a new video. I'm like, I don't want to make a video. <coughs> So finally made the new videos, we recorded them, and we got them up there, and we post them online. And before we post them online, I went and watched the old ones. I watched the old ones, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just four years ago. I was like, I am so depressing. How did anybody watch this video? It was bad, right, Brandon? It was like painfully bad. I'm like, oh my gosh. And that was just four years ago. Imagine six years ago. Ten, like it, it was really, really bad. And what I've noticed is like the more energy you have, the more energy everyone else has. And like 
it seems weird at first, but always stretch more than you feel comfortable and it seems normal. And then you'll feel better with it and better with it. But what's interesting about humans is that we are attracted to energy, right? I used to hate people talking energy talk because I thought it was like the nerdy woo crap, but it's so weird and real actually. Um, I noticed this in all aspects of my life, right? When I come home at night, Usually I am beat up and tired and worn out. I come up early in the morning and then I work super hard. I get home and I uh, get out of the car and I come to the door. Before I open the door, I'm always like, okay, if I come in like, uh, my whole family's going to be depressed with me, right? They all lower my energy level. So I sit there and I get in state and I'm like, okay. And I open the door. I'm like, what's up guys? I'm home. And also my kid's like, oh, dad's going to start running in. It's this huge like, thing. It's crazy. And then the tone is set. Everyone's energy is high and the rest of the night is amazing, Right? When I come in the office, I walk in, I realize I'm the leader of this office. And if I come in like, hey, guys, what's up? They're all going to be like, oh, what's up? And everyone's going to be like, meh. So I'm like, okay, when I come in, I have to come in here. Otherwise, everyone else is just going to be down the normal level. I have to bring people up. Okay? And so we walk in the office now. It's like, what's up, everybody? How's it going? And I'm excited. And they're like, oh. And then everyone's energy rises and the whole company grows together. Okay? So I love when Dave walks through the door. Have you guys ever noticed this? When Dave walks through the door, like, I'm at a 10. Dave's, like, at a 32. And it's just, like, <laughs> it's, like, 4. He wakes up and goes to my house at 4.30 in the morning to lift weights. I sleep in an hour later. I come at 5.45 or something. I walk in. And I walk in. And I'm just, like, dude, I want to die. And I walk in. He's, like, hey, how's it going? I'm, like, really good, man. Like, you've been here for an hour. Oh, and also, I'm, like, oh, my gosh. I feel better. Like, instantly we rise up. It's kind of like tuning forks. You notice if you get two tuning forks of different things and you whack one and you whack another one and you bring them close together, what will happen is the waves will increase and they end up going to the exact same level, okay? So energy matters, right? The higher your energy is, the higher everyone else around you will be. On video, on audio, on physical, on face, like everything, like energy matters a lot, okay? So that's number two when you're making videos, like thinking about that. All right, number three. Okay, so uh, this, you were like 90% there and I watched the whole thing and I was so excited and then like, Oh, you missed the last piece. And I was like, oh, so good. Okay. So um, a year after that Facebook message came, you did a Facebook Live one year later to the day. Mm -hmm. And he told that story on Facebook Live. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He told the story he was talking about. I was emotional. I'm going through the whole thing again. Like, this is so cool. This is so cool. And he told the story about the podcast. Like, in this podcast, an hour long, and the thing, and then it was life changing, all this stuff. And I know that me and a whole bunch of you guys, a whole bunch of entrepreneurs listen to this story. And they're like, at bated breath, like, this is amazing. This is amazing. And he gets to the very end. He's like, all right, guys, well, I'll see you tomorrow. Boom, clicks off. And I was like, ah. like, how can you leave me in that state? Like, I need something, like, I need something, right? So the note I wrote here is I said, make offers for everything. Okay, think about this. At the end of it, you ended, and everyone's thinking like, wait, I want to hear that episode. Like, where, where is that? How would it be? Now, imagine if you take an opportunity at the very end and says, how many of you guys like to hear that episode where Russell actually made me a personal, a personal podcast? And how many of you guys would actually like, um, like if I gave you my commentary about what I learned and why it was actually important to me? Okay, all you got to do right now is post down below and write I'm in. We'll add you to my messenger list and I'll send you that podcast along with the recording where I actually told you what this meant to me. Boom. Now all those people are listening now on his lists, right? Or you can go opt in somewhere. But all you just hit, you told the story, everything. Like we were all sitting with bated breath and then I was just like, ah, oh. at the end, make the offer. Like, you guys want the stuff I talked about? You want the thing? You want the thing? And then there's like, you send them somewhere and now you capture them and now you can serve them longer term and you can do more, more things with them. It was like, hook story. Dude, where's my offer? Give me something. But it was awesome. Okay. How many of you guys felt that way when you listened to that thing and you're just like, I don't even know where to find that episode. Russell got 8,000 episodes everywhere. I don't even know where to look for it. You can be like, here's the link. Like just the link to, like if you guys can't think of how to figure out an offer, go listen to a whole bunch of stuff. Find something amazing and be like, 
oh my gosh, you guys, I was listening to this Tim Ferriss podcast. He's got like 800 episodes. Everyone's like 18 hours long. They're really hard to listen to. But I found this one from like three and a half, four years ago where he taught this concept. And it was insane. It was amazing. I learned this. This is, how many of you guys want to know what that is? Okay, um, I have the link. If you message me down below, I'll send you the link to exactly where to find that episode. Everyone will give it to you. Even like, but it's free on the internet, Russell. It doesn't matter. You know where it's at and they don't. And they will give you their contact information in exchange for you giving them a direct link to the link. Okay? Back before I had anything to like give away in opt-ins, guess what I used to do? I used to go to YouTube and I would find cool videos from famous people. Like one of my favorite ones we did is I went and I typed the YouTube, I typed Robert, Robert Kiyosaki because he was like one of my big mentors at the time. And there's all these amazing Robert Kiyosaki videos on YouTube for free. Tons of them, like hour-long training from Robert Kiyosaki, four-hour-long event from Robert Kiyosaki, all this stuff for free listed on YouTube. So I made a little ClickFunnels membership site. I got all the free videos. I put them inside the like a members area. It's like... Tab one, Robert Kiyosaki talking about investing. Robert Kiyosaki talking about stocks. Robert Kiyosaki talking about... And I put all the videos in there and I made a squeeze page like, hey, who wants um, a whole bunch of free Robert Kiyosaki, like my favorite Robert Kiyosaki videos? Okay, I made a little quick squeeze uh, landing page. People opted in. I gave them access to the membership site and then I went and targeted Robert Kiyosaki's audience and built a huge list off his people. Oh, Dream 100. <laughs> Imagine if Dream 100, instead of just doing one campaign to all the people... If each person in Dream 100, you made a customized membership site with the free content right now. Be like, hey, you've listened to a lot of Grant Cardone. He's got four podcasts, 5,000 episodes. There's only four that are actually really, really good. You guys want to know what they are? Opt in here. I'll give you the four best episodes of all. I curated all this thing for you to give the four best. And target Grant's audience with that. Now you got all his buyers coming into your world. All right. Is that all right? Is that good? Okay. okay. All right. Number four goes ties along with this. Number four, start building a list ASAP. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen you do a call to action to get a list anywhere. Have I? No. After today's session, you're good on like, okay, just build a list. Like if you got nothing from this event at all, every time you do hook and stories, put them somewhere to build a list because that's the longevity. That's where if Zuckerberg snaps his finger and you lose all your fans and followings and friends and all of a sudden you're like trying to rebuild over somewhere else, it won't matter because you have all those people somewhere external. Now you can message them and bring them back into whatever world you need them to be at. But that's how you build a stability in the business. It's also how... Um, you saw this time, you want to sell the next time, the next time, like the list is the key, right? Funaki Live, the first Funaki Live, it was a lot of work and we sold out 600 people in the room, right? We kept growing the list, growing the list. Next year we did 1,200 and then we did 1,500. Last year was 3,000. This year we're going to be at 5,000. Like, but we were building up the list and building the pressure and the excitement. And then when you release it, it's just like, it gives you the ability to like, just to, to blow things up really, really fast. Um, okay, that was number four. Um, Oh yeah, number five. Okay, number five I wrote down is integration marketing, adding, offer, uh, adding to others' offers to build a buyer list. Okay, so this is a little sneaky tactic we used to do back in the day when I didn't have my own list, but I had a couple of skills and talents, which you do happen to have, which is nice. If you have no skills, this won't work, but if you have skills, like you're, you're, um, you're lucky. So Frank Kern used to do this as well. This is, Frank is sneaky. Um, he used to do this all the time, and I saw him doing it. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's brilliant. So Frank did a one-hour presentation somewhere, and he called it... Um, mind control, or it wasn't mass control. It was like it was something about how to like, control the minds of your prospects through manipulation and something sneaky, right? And like the title alone was amazing. It was a one-hour presentation he gave somewhere, and he put it on these DVDs. And what he did is he went to like Dan Kennedy, and he's like, "Hey, Dan, you have all of your buyers. You send this newsletter out to you every single month." Right at the time, they had thirteen thousand active members. Like these are their best buyers. He's like, "This DVD I sell for like a thousand bucks. You want to give it to all your people for free?" And Dan's like, "Sure." And all of a sudden, the next month. 
Dan's got, or Frank's got his best CD with his best stuff in the mailbox of the 13,000 best customers that every single person did um, uh, that Dan Kennedy's been collecting for the last 15 years, right? So think about this, like with your skill set, look at the other people in the market, all the other Dream 100, they're doing things. And how do you create something that you can plug into their offers where now every single time one of those people sell a product, your face is popping up as well, okay? It's called Integration Marketing. Uh, my first mentor, Mark Joyner, wrote a book called Integration Marketing. It's a really fast read. You can read it in an hour. Um, but it'll get your mindset thinking about it. How can I integrate with what other people are always doing, right? Because I can go and make a sale, I can make another sale. But I was like, when we launched ClickFunnels, I was like, how, how can I figure out other people's sales processes that are already happening and somehow inject myself into all these other sales processes? That way, every single time Stephen Larson sells something or someone else, or all these people are selling something, it always somehow gets flown back to me, okay? I want every product, every course, everything happening in the marketing world somehow have people saying my name. That's my goal, Okay, how many of you have been to other people's events when I'm not there and they say my name? <laughs> Makes me so happy. I get the Instagrams from you guys. Like, hey, so and so just quote, uh, just said your name. Hey, so and so. I'm like, that's so good, right? How have I done that? I spent a lot of my life integrating into everybody's offers. Okay, initially when I first got started, every single person had a product. I was an interview in everyone's product. I was like, I'm looking as people are launching products. The big product launch is coming up. I contact them, like, okay, product launch is coming up. Hey man, is there any way I can do like a cool thing for your people? I could create this and give it to you. And you can plug it in your product. Everyone's like, sure, that'd be awesome. And all of a sudden, boom, they get 5,000 new buyers came in and every single one got my thing. They're hearing my name, hearing my voice. It's just constant integration. I think about how I met Joe Vitale. I talked about that earlier with The Greatest Showman. He, inter- he was in an interview in a course that I bought from Mark Joyner. I listened to it, fell in love with Joe Vitale, bought his stuff, gave him tons of money over the years, a whole bunch of good stuff because he was integrating that. So looking at other ways to integrate the skill set you already have into other people's marketing channels because then you're leveraging Every time any of those make, any time any of these partners make a sale, you're getting you're getting customers coming through that flow as well. Cool. Yeah. That was number five. All right, number six. Uh, I call this one Rainmaker Projects because we talked about Rainmaker during the first podcast interview. So Rainmaker Maker Projects are, um, and I, again, my first start of my career, I did tons of these where it's like. Um, I was really good at one piece, right? So for you, you're really good at video and storytelling, right? And I look out here and be like, okay, who's someone else here that's awesome? Like so-and-so is really good at making um, a product on Facebook ads, right? So it's like, okay, you're really good at Facebook ads. So I'll do the video for this course. You do the Facebook, you do the actual ad course. And then you're like awesome at doing the traffic. And you bring in four or five people, like this little Avenger team. And you create a co-branded product together. And you launch it and everyone makes a bunch of money. You split all the money, like 50, 50, 50, 50. That makes more than 100. <laughs> you, but you know what I'm talking about. Everyone splits the money. Everyone splits the customer list. And also, you've all pulled your efforts, your energy, your talents together. And everyone leaves with some cash. We also leave with the customer list. And that's you start growing really, really rapidly. Okay, when I got started, I didn't have a customer list. I had a very small one, but I had a couple of skill sets. And so that's where I did tons of these things. That's like, if you guys know any of my old friends, like Mike Philsame, uh, Gary Ambrose, I had to list off all the old partners I had back in the day, and that's what we did all the time, these little Rainmaker projects. We didn't call them that back in the day, but that's what it was. It was just like, all right, we all knew what our skill sets were. It's like, let's come together, let's make a project. This isn't going to be like how we change the world. It's not going to be something we're going to scale and grow, but it's like, it's going to be a project. We put it together, we launch it, make some money, we get some customers, we get our name out in the market, and then we step away from it, we all go back to our own, our own businesses. Okay, it's not like, that's why it's funny because a lot of times people are scared of these. It's like, well, how we set up the business structure and who's going to be the owner? Who's the boss? And the C-? It's like, no, 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 none of that. None of that, none of that. This is an in and out project where all the rainmakers come together and you create something amazing for a short period of time. You split the money and you go back home with the money and the, cat and the customers. And then you, and then, but it gave you this bump in, in status, a big bump in like, in customer list, a big bump in cash and like all those things kind of rise. You do enough of those, like your status keeps growing and growing and growing. It's a really fast, easy way to continue to grow. How many of you want to do a Rainmaker project with Nick right now? <laughs> all right. 
Very cool. All right, and I got one last. This is number seven. This one kind of ties back to Dream 100. So last thing I talked about was, and again, this is kind of for everybody in the group, but um, is the levels of the Dream 100. I remember when I first started this process and I first got the concept, and I didn't know it was a Dream 100 back then, but I was looking at all the different people that were like, um, it would have been on my Dream 100 list, right? It was like, it was um, Mark Joyner, Joe Vitale, like all these people that like, for me were like the top tier, Tony Robbins, Richard Branson. I was like, oh, and I started trying to figure out how to like get into those, into those spots. And the more I tried, the hard, like, it was so hard to get through the gate. It was impossible to get through all these gatekeepers, these people. I was like, man, at least people care about me. Like, I'm just a young guy trying to figure this stuff out. And they won't even respond to my, respond to my calls or my emails. Like, I can't even get through them. Like, I thought these people really cared. Okay? Now, be on the flip side of that, I didn't realize what life is actually like for that, for people like that, right? For me, it's, like, I understand that now at a whole nother level, right? We've got a million and a half people aren't subscribed to this. We have 68,000 customers. I got coaching programs. I got family. I got friends. It's like... We have to put in barriers to, to protect yourself or else it's, it's, it's impossible. Like I felt, I can't even tell you like how bad I felt having Brent this morning. Like, can you tell everyone to like not do pictures with me? Not that I don't want to, but like, let me tell you what actually happens typically. This is why we have to put barriers around ourselves. Here's my phone. I'll be in a room, like Funnel Hockey Live, and there'll be 3,000 people in the room. And I'm walking through, someone's like, oh, real quick, real quick, can I get a picture? I'm like, ah, I gotta go. Like, It'll take one second. I'm like, ah, okay, fine, quick, real quick. And they're like, hold on. They get their phone out and they're like, ah, um, okay, uh, all right, got it, okay. Uh, oh, crap, it's flipped around. Uh, he flipped around. Okay, uh, oh, actually, I can't. Can you hold this? My arm's not as long enough. Like, you wanna hold it? Actually, hey, hey, you, come here, come here, come here. Can you hold this? Like, just hold it, okay, and get a picture, okay. Ready? One, two, three, T's. Boom, and they got the camera off. And for them, it took one second, right? And that person leaves, guess what's behind them? A line of like 500 people. <sighs> and then for the next like eight hours, like the first fun hiking live. Anyone here the very first fun hiking live? I spent three and a half hours in front doing pictures with everybody, and I almost died afterwards. I was like, I can't, like, it was, but I didn't know how to say no, and it's like super, super hard, right? And so I realized now, like, to protect your sanity and your, like, the people up there have all sorts of gatekeepers, and it's hard, right? And so the way you get through them is not being more annoying and being more, like, trying to get through people. The way you, you get to them is by understanding, like, the levels of that, right? So after trying that for a whole bunch of time, I couldn't get in, and then I was like, crap, well, screw those guys. They don't like me anyway. They're like, they must be jerks. I'm sure they're just avoiding me, and, like, I'm on a blacklist, and they must... Like all the thoughts that go through your head. And that time I looked around, I looked, started looking around me, right? I started looking around, I was like, hey, there's some really cool people here. And that's when I met, like, I remember Mike Filson. Mike Filson at the time had just created a product. He launched it. He had, like, a list of, I don't know, maybe three or 4,000 people. And, um, and I remember I created my first product, Zip Brander, and I was, like, all scared. I'm like, hey, Mike, I created this thing, Zip Brander. And he messed me back. Dude, that's the coolest thing in the world. A couple things. Mike didn't have a gatekeeper. It was just him. He got my email. He saw it. He's like, this is actually cool. And I'm like, Cool, do I promote it? He's like, yes, I would love to promote it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I had never made a sale online to this point, by the way, other, other than a couple of little things that fell apart. But like, I never actually made a sale of my own product. Uh, ZipRander is my very first, like my own product I ever created, right? And uh, so Mike, that cool is I sent an email list and uh, it's 5,000 person list. They came over and I had a little pop-up that came to the site and like bounced around back in the day. I had 270 people opt into my list for Mike's email to it. I think we made like eight or 10 sales. Which wasn't a lot, but like 67, that was 670 bucks. I gave him half of me, 350 bucks in the email and gave 300 people on my list. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I asked Mike, I'm like, who, like, who are the other people you hang out with? Like, I don't know very many people. He's like, oh, did you have me? This guy, he's awesome. He brought me to someone else. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then Mike's like, dude, I promoted ZipRand. It was awesome. You should it. And then he's like, oh, cool. So he promoted ZipRand. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got another 30 or 40 people on my list. And there's a couple more sales. And then I asked him, like, who do you know? And then someone else. And like, we started doing this thing. And all of a sudden, there's eight or 10 of us who are all this level. And we all like started mastermind networking, figuring things out. We cross promote each other. And what happened was interesting is that all of our little brands were small time started growing. They started growing. They started growing. Also, 
sudden we were like the next tier. And then when we got the next tier, all of a sudden like all these new people started being aware of us and started answering our calls and new things. And Mike's like, oh my gosh, I met this guy who used to be an untouchable. And they brought him in and brought him in. All of a sudden to the next level and we started growing again and growing again. And next thing we know, um, four years later, I get a phone call from Tony Robbins' assistant. And I'm like, hey, I'm sitting in a room right now. Mike Philsame, Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, all these guys are sitting in a room with Tony Robbins. He thinks that you guys are the biggest internet nerds in the world. He's obsessed with it. And he wants to know if you can meet, if you can meet you in Salt Lake in like an hour. Like, what? Tony Robbins? Like, I've emailed him like 8,000 times. He's never responded even once. I thought he hated me. <laughs> Not that he hated me, it's that he had so many gay, he had no idea who I was. But eventually you start getting value, and you collectively, as like a level of the Dream 100, becomes more and more powerful, right? And eventually, like, people notice you because you become the bigger people, and each tier gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And so my biggest advice for you and for everybody is to understand that, like, yes, it's good to have these huge dreams, big people, but it's like, start looking around. Like, there are so many partnerships to be had just inside this room. How many deals have you done with people in this room so far? Quite a few. Quite a, yeah, yeah, more than one, yeah, right? more than one. Like, start looking around, you guys. Like, don't always look up, up, up. I'm trying to get this thing. Like, look around and rise collectively. Man, start doing the crossing, because so that's how everyone starts growing together. And there will be a time where I'll be coming to you guys begging, like, can you please look at my stuff, you guys? I have this thing called ClickFunnels. You may have heard of it. Like, can you please help me promote it? And that's what's going to happen, okay? So the level of Dream Hunter is lasting. It's just... Don't discount that because some people are like swinging for the fence just hoping for this home run like I was. And it's funny because I remember eventually that people respond to me that I was trying from before and they contacted me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I realized like I thought this person hated me. I thought I was on a blacklist. I was assuming they were getting these emails like, oh, I hate this person. Russell's a scam or whatever like in my head, right? Turns out they never saw any of them until they saw me and they reached out to me and the whole, the whole dynamic shifted. Okay, so realizing that, kind of looking around, start building your Dream 100 list, even within this room, within the communities that you're in, because there's power in that. And as you grow collectively um, as a group, everyone will grow together, and um, that's, that's the magic. So that was number seven. So to recap the seven really quick, number one, tell your story way too much to the point where you're so annoyed and so sick and tired of hearing it that everybody comes to you and then keep telling it even some more. Number two, in everything you're doing, energy matters a lot. To the point, be even above what you think you're comfortable with and do that all the time. Number three, make offers for everything. Hook, story, don't leave them hanging. Give them an offer because they'll go and they will feel more completed afterwards. Number four, start building a list. Ties back to the first thing. Make the offer, get them to build a list. Start growing your list because your list is your actual business. Number five, integration marketing. Look for other people's marketing channels and how you can weave what you do into those channels so you can get free traffic from all the people who are doing stuff. Number five, create Rainmaker projects. Find really cool things to bring four or five people together, make something amazing, share the, share the cash, share the customer list. It'll elevate your status, elevate your brand, and it's really fun to do because you can know a whole bunch of people. And number seven, um, understanding the levels of the Dream 100. Find the people at your level, start growing with them together collectively. As you do that, in a year, two years, three years, five years, Tony Robbins will be calling you, asking you to make his video, and it'll be amazing. You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.